And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgianis. I'm so glad you've tuned in. I love at the top of the second hour to do a cruise through the news. And I have a lot of stories. And even as fast as I talk, I grew up in upstate New York, so I can talk pretty fast. But as fast as I can talk, I can never get through all of them. And if I had a show two hours a day, five days a week, I talk about all of them. But there's so many important things happening. And, you know, if you're listening to the show often or if it's your first time, I'll just tell you again, the entire purpose of doing this show. The only reason I do this show is because it is out of absolute determination to to spread the excitement, the support for the idea that America is an exceptional, noble country and every generation has the obligation to preserve it, to protect it, to hold on to this generation, to this country for the next generation. And the exceptional nature of America and the exceptional nature of our founding impacts so much of what we uh, shaped the way our country was founded. The ideas it was founded on matter in America every day. The policy issues we talk about, they're never just this tax versus that tax. This this tax, that tax, this approach, that approach is bigger issues about preserving America. Here's one just amazing cruise through the news. So the United States Supreme Court took, accepted the case, a case called Trump versus Hawaii. And that was this week. And in that case, the Supreme Court is going to review the decision of a lower court in Hawaii. And these, the issue in the case, which is so impossibly important, is the, uh, the they use the expression refugee ban. And to be more precise, that's not what President Trump did. He didn't put a refugee ban in place. But he did uh, issue executive orders relating to refugees, trying to stem, trying to reduce the danger in America, trying to reduce the danger of having people come here who don't have our best interests at heart. The importance of this case is not really the specifics of this refugee order, what President Trump's order said, what it should have said, blah, blah. The question is, do the federal courts have the obligation to honor the separation of powers written into our Constitution, or they can they continue on their present course of simply usurping the role of the president and rethinking for themselves what policy they think should be in place with respect to refugees? And, and perhaps it's a loaded way I describe the case, but it's a, such an important notion to get that whether you love President Trump's refugee ban, refugee uh, executive order, hate it, are indifferent, don't understand, the, the only thing you have to know is in our country, there is no room for a federal judge to replace his or her judgment with that of President Trump's and say, now that I think about it, I think Trump was wrong. It should have said this, shouldn't have said that. And that has happened a record number of times with this president. In fact, there was a recent Wall Street Journal thing, um, article, an editorial pointing out 19 cases have come along, injunctions against Donald Trump, all of those being the kind of cases where the, the court had no had no right, no authority, no legitimacy to undermine the president's decision. And what they, was really happening is you think these federal uh, district court judges and the federal appellate court judges, the circuit court judges must be esteemed members of the judiciary and they're lawyers and they made it to, to this far. They must be really, really smart guys. Some of them have joined the resistance. That's what this is. This is simply joining the resistance against President Trump. And so I think the speed with which the Supreme Court took this case 
and the speed with which they, they are talking about coming with a decision, it sounds like enough people on the Supreme Court realize we cannot let the judiciary take over the country. That's what this issue is. It's that important. And related to that is that I saw that um, Attorney General Jeff Sessions chose a path that was available to him as attorney general. To, there was a, a district court decision uh, with respect to DACA. Some district court judge actually decided that even though President Obama created DACA as an unconstitutional executive order, that President Trump couldn't undo it. He actually said, you know, Obama, Obama's order, which has no basis in the Constitution, is fine, and President Trump is not permitted to undo it. This is pure legislating from the bench. So what the attorney general did, why this is so great, is he decided to circumvent, to go around the Ninth Circuit and took this case right to the Supreme Court, this issue about whether or not DACA, the the, uh, undoing of DACA by President Trump is permissible. So this is a great thing to watch, not just whatever you think about DACA, refugees, or anything else. The relevant issue is, are we going to hold on to separation of powers? Okay, I always say like seven stories, and that was only the first one. I'll just tell you two other kind of interesting things that came along. Um, One is that recently, one in California and one in Florida, there have been recent raids in January in an industry called birth tourism. It's It's people setting up businesses for people, pregnant women, late in their pregnancies, to come to America. The one in uh, Miami, Florida, was mostly Russian women. These were just women deciding, I'm going to get away to become an American. So they come here, have their, they lounge around at a lovely place, have their babies in these hotels, and, and the same thing in California, and then they've got a foothold in America's immigration system. And the reason this matters, this is another reason to have us be very, very focused on what's happening with immigration reform in Washington. Okay, that's all I can do, Cruz, for the news. We're done. After the break, I have a candidate for U.S. Congress joining me in studio, Bunny Pounds. She's here And we'll be right back. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. 
You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans, what is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Okay, welcome back to America. Can we talk? Okay, we're fussing with cameras in the studio. Sorry, we took a little bit longer there. Hope you enjoyed our music. That's actually my absolute favorite. I love, love, love our music uh, on America. Can we talk? We have that um, just fabulous, fabulous, um, can you hear us now, music that uh, is kind of is the message of our show. So I have in the studio, I mentioned before we went to the break, Bunny Pounds. She is running for Congress from CD5. So hi, Bunny. Hey, Debbie. <laughs> so great to be with you tonight. So fun to have you here. Now, I do want to, I'll just tell you, I'm going to get to why a nice person like you would run for Congress. That's a really good question. But before I do that, the reason I thought of this, and I, I kind of appreciate your being willing to jump and come kind of last minute to be on the show, but you went to the Right to Life March in in uh, Dallas yesterday, right? Yeah, actually, the Dallas Morning News actually reported it this time, which was great. <laughs> um, no, I'm, over 10,000, they reported, were there. 
yesterday. It was an incredible march to to march down from the uh, Guadalupe Cathedral to the courthouse where Roe v. Wade was uh, put in place. Um, it's, I have chills. It's, we do oh it gosh. every every year. Yeah. I've been on this march many times, but yesterday there seemed to be more of an energy, and I don't know if it was because of the so-called women's march like you've been talking about. Um, but there was so many people there, and and I was shocked. And you can see on our Facebook page at Bunny Pounds for Congress the diversity of the crowd. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I'm thrilled to hear it. And I I must say I did. Uh, maybe you were listening to the show on the way in, but I I did. This is a very different. I was ranting about the women's march at the start of the show, which yes. is nothing to do with women. Unlike this, which is a pro-life march, they say why they're marching. Well, and you can agree with them or not, but at least you know why they're there. And I loved yeah. what you were saying, because those women in Washington, D.C. marching do not represent us. There are so many conservative women out there that stand for men, that want to protect their families, that believe in our values and our Christian values, and stand for life, not pro-abortion. Oh, and on top of that, the the Women's March thing, they they had, I mean, it was a laundry list about, you know, uh, paid maternity leave and and, uh, just kind of demand the government pay for everything. Just this simple-minded, it's insulting that women, it's kind of simple-minded thinking about women. You know, we just, we can be lured into support by saying, don't worry, we'll make everything free. So mindless. Okay, so back to to the uh, Right to Life March, because I did not go yesterday, and I love that we do it, but... I want to remind our listeners to repeat something you said. The actual original Roe versus Wade case came out of this Dallas. town, out of Dallas. Yeah. Okay. And so you were at the start at the courthouse where the original trial was held. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. We well, we went from Guadalupe Cathedral to to the actual courthouse in downtown Dallas, and they do this every year. You can join in every year. But yeah, yesterday was so impactful. I mean, I hung out with a a Latino youth pastor. Um, that yep. I'd actually met doing ministry different times. I saw him in the march, and we hung out. I met this incredible African-American guy named Jeffrey with dreadlocks. Oh, I got to talk about him. He's a friend of mine. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> Jeffrey was awesome. We connected. We hung out. We marched together. Um, there was babies in strollers. You know, the, the Catholic uh, churches were out in mass. Yeah. It was so awesome to see Protestants and Catholics come together. And just because uh, the they're Christian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jeffrey Myers. I'm so glad you mentioned him. And I do want to get to why you're running for Congress because she is a really nice person. She's been a long time friend. I don't know why she would do this for herself, but I don't know why either. But on Jeffrey Myers, I, I was going to, if I couldn't get at you, I was going to call him. He is a great friend. He's a black conservative dreadlocks, long hair, gray hair guy. And he did the most sweet video on Facebook from the march, number one was his birthday yesterday. Small point. Oh man, I should have um, <laughs> known that. And number two was he was basically saying, "Where are all these people who say they stand up for Black America? Right. Where is the Black Lives Matter crowd? Where is it?" He listed a bunch of, and I don't, didn't recognize their names, but the, he was speaking of them as leaders in the Black community and the Black Christian churches in Dallas. Where are they? Where exactly. are they? He was saying this is a, I mean, he was just, it was very eloquent and very tender. It kind of got me teary, but uh, anyway, he was really good. And I'm going to share that in our Facebook page. Okay. So it was a great, great. I'm glad. That's so funny you met him. He's, he's such a good guy. Oh, it was so <laughs> wonderful to see your brothers and sisters and realize this is an American issue. This yep. is not just an, an old man, white person right. issue or. Not you know, little old lady issue. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a, and I, I thought this expression about, you know, without life, what is there? I mean. If you don't have life, I mean, what's, what is there? Well, anyway. and this is one of my passions for running for Congress is because one of my dear friends is Bob Hyde, Henry Hyde's son here in Dallas. Oh. 
and Henry Hyde's, um, uh, you know, legacy is the Hyde Amendment. We have to make sure that the Hyde Amendment is made permanent for for future generations forever, that we never put another dollar into federal funding into abortion, yep. that we defund Planned Parenthood. Um, you know, that's why I've, I've been involved in the pro-life movement for years and years, and that's why I'm the only person in this race endorsed by Texas Right to Life because of my passion for this issue. Oh, my gosh, of course. And I'll tell you, Bunny, if, I think maybe a lot, I know maybe not our listeners in Colorado Springs or Phoenix, but the ones here in Dallas know the name Bunny Pounds because she has been a trooper, a soldier on the conservative side, helping candidates of all kinds on the Republican side raise money so they can run these races. And the last thing I'll say about uh, this hope for change, I counted, I think there were marches in 71 cities wow. yesterday. I'm pretty sure I, I counted on some websites. So that's really good. Okay, so now, uh, Bunny Pounds, you are running for Congress from CD5. Besides life, which I, I, you obviously care about, we all do, what are the other reasons uh, that you're running? Like, what issues grab you, grab well, your heart? I, I loved hearing David McIntosh on the radio today because those are the issues that are Dear, dear and dear to my heart, um, we have a national debt here that's over $20 trillion. As the a- average American, we can't even get our mind around that, right, how deep that is. But we have uh, members of Congress, certain ones that have been warriors on these issues. Uh, Congressman Jeb Henserling, my former boss, was the one that fought for ear- against earmarks for over yeah. 10 years yeah. and saw the moratorium on earmarks happen. How can we even consider bringing earmarks back? It's mind-blowing to me. It's, it's tone-deaf, too, into why America chose Trump, why they, why they rose up to really drain the swamp. It's like they weren't even listening to the drain the swamp message. I know. So we have to continue to fight on these issues against government overreach on um, bureaucracies that are taking over our lives. As a small business woman, I know what federal encroachment feels like. I mean, even in, in labor laws, in regulations that we have, um, you know, we, we all get affected. And anybody who's trying to actually pay paychecks and do business knows what that feels like. So that's a really important issue for me is just debt, deficits, and government overreach. Um, as we've been, you've been talking on the show tonight, immigration is a huge issue for small business, for America. It's affecting our education system. It's affecting everything. It sure is. In fact, we're going to go back to this immigration thing uh, a little later. I'm going to hit on it because I want to tell you people one more thing about it. And now I can't find the piece of paper. But I dug it out recently. The um, I, I have it somewhere. But the immigration thing, I think, number one, it's very helpful to have women's voices talking about as a problem because – it is an issue that grabs women's heart. I've read the polling. Women get, they feel sympathetic. They feel concerned. Can't we do something better? And they're not thinking in terms of, you know, what about my, what about the American children? What about our future? What about our, you know, our, and so, but but women's, women need to say it to women. Well, you're talking about chain migration. I just read the, the, the stat is 60% of our immigration system is, is built on chain migration. There's something wrong about that percentage. Because that means we're not really thinking about who are the skilled people that should be coming to America. What do we really have need of? It's really based on relationships that these that people have with their family members. That's not really necessarily a good good enough reason to bring them to America. It's not our job. It's I will say job. I did read this thing once that talked about the Republicans were originally the ones that got behind chain migration out of a love of you know, the love of family, keeping families together. Right. So it's like one of those days. Okay, we had a good idea. We tried. It didn't work. I, I mean, to me, just and I don't know. Maybe you feel differently, but chain migration is something. 
you have to be really firm about and say we, an individual basis, mm-hmm. we bring people here because we see a need in our economy, our society, to have you come, yep. not you and your 27 relatives. Yes. Yeah. Another reason why I'm running for Congress is national security. I'm highly uh, motivated to make sure that our military continues to stay strong. President Trump's done an amazing job uh, being very bold with North Korea. I fought very actively against the Iran deal last year as an activist. You did. Yes, yes. I did. Yeah. In pro-Israel uh, movement, um, standing beside our allies, making sure that they know uh, if we nuclearize Iran and let them have a path to a nuclear weapon, that is absolutely disastrous, not only for our allies in the Middle East like Israel, but for the rest of the world. Absolutely true. Wow. Okay, so it's funny. I, I must have seen Bunny, I'll tell you, my friends. I mean, at 100 events or something like that, there are many, many, many times. But we actually always, we, we are usually kind of orchestrating the event, trying to figure out how to help, what, what's going on. But I love hearing your passion. I love hearing that you're really turned on by many, many issues, including life, and the other ones you just mentioned. And we have 10 seconds left. So how do they find you on Facebook, and how can they donate to your campaign? Bunnypounds.com, bunny with an I, pounds.com, or Bunny Pounds for Congress on Facebook. Would love for you guys to check out our issues. We have extensive issues on our website and all you East Texas people, be careful in the, with the tornadoes right now. <laughs> Bunny Pounds, thanks so much for coming in tonight. Thank you, Debbie. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, you know, that was a real... If you're watching, especially on Facebook Live, uh, Bunny is a friend of mine, and I actually had just realized today she was at that uh, Right to Life march. I wanted to have her come in, and so if you're watching Facebook Live, you saw that our camera angle got pushed way back. That was the only way I could think of on short notice to get her in. I actually have a, a gadget I could have used, but I didn't use it. Anyway, love having Bunny Pounds. I really encourage you to support her. It, again, B-U-N-N-I Pounds is how her name is spelled. And she's running for CD5, Congressional District 5, um, in the, from the great state of Texas. Okay, I want to go back. One more thing. So as long as you're hammering on the subject of what is happening in Washington and, and this shutdown and the, all of that conversation, I think it's really important to understand a few things, folks. When we, ha- you know, this right now, every time you probably recall, we've had other shutdowns, other times when, and what a shutdown just means is that the um, Congress has failed to make authorization to spend money needed to keep the government running because they've come to some, you know, some disagreement. They they can't get on the same page. They cannot, um, they can't move forward. And so, w- you know, when Republicans engaged or were viewed to be the instigator of a uh, shutdown, there was widespread just criticism and how could they do this? This is so, you know, whatever words they would use, you know, so unprofessional, not wise, this is not necessary, they, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, and, and really criticized as though this horrible thing was going to happen and, and, you know, there was going to be just a calamity uh, in the country. So I want to just um, make sure... You understand um, what really is and is not involved in this shutdown um, threat. And we are in shutdown. And to begin, again, I know I said earlier, but 
the Democrats got everything they asked for in this spending thing. Really important fact. The Democrats got everything they wanted. They, because they're so determined to make sure that President Trump does not have a victory electorally, he doesn't have a, a, he can't show I've done something, I've gotten the Congress moving forward in a budget. They're so determined to make sure he looks bad. They would rather let the shutdown happen than let him have a victory. And now they've latched onto this DACA thing, which is, you know, this extremely irresponsible and entirely driven by the Democrat assumption that all of these people here illegally will become Democrat voters. This is their reason for pushing DACA, that they've, they're okay with a shutdown. Now, first of all, the media is not nearly as hysterical about this shutdown because the Democrats have caused it than they were when Republicans did it to try to stop Obamacare. But be that as it may, I just want to say about the shutdown thing, it is not a good thing, but it's also not a big deal. And we cannot let the Republicans in Congress, we have to encourage them to have backbone, to stick with it. Do not give in one iota because the Democrats have caused a shutdown over DACA. Republicans do not have any reason to surrender on DACA. The American public is with them. The polling is showing the American public is with them. They did not want the Democrats to shut down the government. And the Republicans need to stand firm. And you should be encouraging your Congress and your senator, do not give in to this DACA Democrat demand uh, just because of the shutdown. But also, just so you know what happens in a shutdown, what does and does not happen, Amazingly, as they say, you know, the sun comes up in the morning. Virtually everyone in America goes to work. A small number of people, a small percentage of Americans who are deemed non-essential don't go to work. There is a, a segment, and in Washington, you know, you, you, you know, the joke they always say every time is, why do we have any non-essential federal government employees? But roughly speaking, the numbers, just so you know, um, they have things, and first of all, every emergency Anything that relates to public safety, public health, they're fully functioning. They've got money coming to them. There's nobody. It's not like the ambulances stop running and the hospitals close down. The military comes home. None of those things happen. It is just a um, just a ridiculous overreaction. And frankly, I want to get to a deeper point about this shutdown. Beside the fact that you know this is just means non-essential people don't come to work. Um, they, you know, and that the numbers are like, you know, in commerce department as a good example, speaking of non-essential in the commerce department, 41,000 of the 47,000 people, 41 of 47,000 people are on furlough, are non-essential. You talk about a department, why don't we just close it? And similarly in education, 30, and the department of education in Washington, 3,700 out of the 3,900 people are on furlough. Are do, don't have don't have to go to work because they are non-essential. And the numbers I could read you, I, there are many many departments where the numbers are. It's like virtually everybody. Housing and urban development, eight HUD of that agency, seventy five hundred of the seventy eight hundred employees are non-essential and not coming to work. Folks, this is really really important to get these. This this is not a danger. This is it's not a good thing. It's not you know wise governance. But there's no danger. And but the the deeper and bigger point I want to get to in, is this about this shutdown. The American people, number one, poll wise, were with the Republicans. 
they agreed that the, there should not be a shutdown just because we can't get to an agreement on DACA. The, Amer- the American people overwhelmingly said, that's ridiculous. You know, get the continuing resolution, get the government functioning, authorize the money, and we'll, we'll deal with DACA later. Um, but I want to just tell you what is, I, I think, the profound point about all this and the, the deeper point. And that is, America went with President Trump in large part because he said, drain the swamp. And he didn't just mean, you know, take out a few of the bad guys, the bad actors. There's plenty of that in Washington, plenty of that to go around. But the bigger point and what is driving so many people to be active in politics is because they want the bigger whole federal government mission, purpose, what they do to be drained. We want to drain the federal government, federal government back down to the constitutional limits it should have. That's our goal, draining the federal government down to size. So if we, and you know, to really effectuate change in Washington, you know, this shutdown probably will end tomorrow because Democrats have nowhere to go with it. It'll probably end. Heaven forbid it ends because Republicans capitulate. But anyway, this, the larger idea of this is we need an actual, what, what, what President Trump ran on and what resonated with the American voters was not just a little tiny policy change here, a little tiny adjustment here. It was a major overhaul of government. Get rid of this big, fat, onerous federal government. Get them out of our lives. And the federal government has been in the last year, very little help from the Republicans in Congress, but the federal government has been slowly been being drained, mostly by President Trump, by the reduction in regulations. And so many of these onerous, expensive regulations coming out of numerous agencies are being uh, torn away, discarded because of the Congressional Review Act, because Congress discovered they have the right to tell the dem- to tell agencies that you can't have that rule because you didn't follow the law, you didn't submit that rule to Congress. And so, therefore, we are getting rid of it. But the bigger point about this shutdown thing is we ought to take advantage of the idea that if we have this amazing percentage of people who are truly non-essential, why don't we find other jobs for them in the private sector? Why don't we say, you know, we're going to actually drastically cut back federal government. We're going to really look at the kind of things that people say in campaign speeches about, yeah, I'm going to eliminate the Department of Education. I'm going to eliminate this, eliminate that. There are so many federal agencies that ultimately carry out responsibilities that we better performed at the state level. And so this whole, you know, fervor trying to create panic about, my gosh, we're having government shutdown, we're hopefully getting a little window in looking at what we could possibly do in the future. We could have very, very, very slim down federal agencies. We need to have important responsibilities like envir- the Department of uh, the um, Energy, Environment, the EPA, Education. These can all come back to the states. There is no reason the federal government has to be in charge of all of those areas of American life. And the reason that it is important to do that is because when the federal government is out of touch, far away from the states and in charge of all these issues, they end up regulating 
too much of our lives. They have a bureaucracy. It has a life of its own. It has it feeds on itself. It gets money from Congress and it marches forward. And there's no it's a behemoth eating up America. And so we ought to instead of being worried that we're having a, a shutdown, we ought to be thinking, gee, what are we learning about what's essential and not? What what should we be inspired in the next three years to to spin more of these agencies back to the states where they really belong? This is not a crisis, folks. This is an opportunity. And we come back from the break. I'm going to talk a little bit more, just a touch more about the shutdown. And then I want to make sure we cover uh, what President Trump has done for women. You'd be kind of amazed. Come right back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There is a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Welcome back to America. Can we talk? Okay, as I always say every week, this is the fastest two hours of my week. I have no idea where the time goes. And I need a magic time machine out here or something like that to give me more time because I, I love talking to you every week. And I know I, I, you've probably heard it before if you listen to our show, but I think that there's so many things happening in America, so many challenges, so many issues that we as patriots, as people who love America, we have a chance to be impactful to actually change things, to move things in the right direction. But we have to be alert to them. We have to be take the time to learn the issues, and we have to be willing to speak up. It's not only speaking up to your congressman or your senator or your state rep or your state senator, but to your friends and neighbors, especially on the women thing again. I want to mention about women, how we are, we're the talkers. We're the ones who, you know, talk with our friends about what's happening. We, we tend to be... We, Okay, we tend to talk more than guys, pretty much speaking. So we should spend part of our time being advocates for America. And I want to hit one more thing in this immigration issue because this is going to be tugging at your heartstrings over the next several weeks and months as Congress sorts through what to do about DACA. Once the shutdown is over, what to do about DACA and can't we make them all legal? I want to share some other numbers with you, recognizing that in the same way you protect your family budget— you would not permit your children to let like their entire high school, senior high school class move into your house because you cannot afford to feed and house them. You know you can't do it on your budget, and you know it would change things about the rules in your house and, and security and, and the culture of your household. You protect your home, and you have it a place where, which reflects your values, where you have your rules in place. Well, America is the same kind of thing. It's the same thing. Our job as patriots, it's not to close the doors and let no one in, but it's, it's our job to protect the culture of America, the Judeo-Christian roots of America that created our culture. It's our job to claim that, to understand it, and to make decisions about refugees and immigrants in this country 
based on the noble idea of protecting the good, great, unique, exceptional culture of America. We do have a culture here. Okay, so two other tidbits I ran across because you're going to we and ways you can talk with your friends about encouraging them that we have to have responsible immigration policy, not anyone who wants to come here gets to policy, which is what the Democrats want. Two things. This is actually a tiny bit old data. Just a few years ago, it's not this year, but just a few years ago, there was data about the number of people who are in America who receive, who are immigrant households receiving um, some form of welfare or public assistance. Okay? More than half of the households headed by immigrants in this country illegally, or 62% of them, received welfare benefits in 2012. Households where an illegal immigrant heads the household gets welfare benefits. 62%. Okay. At the same time, 49% of households headed by legal immigrants, so people who weren't citizens but they're here legally, legal immigrants, 49% of them got benefits and 30% of households headed by natives or actually citizens, we call them citizens here in America, citizens receive benefits. So the notion that having people come here because they really want to work hard, because they're going to join the economy, this is not borne out by the statistics. It's not that we should shut the door. No one's arguing that. But once you recognize the twin propositions that the American left wants to bring more and more low-skilled, unskilled, uneducated people to America so they will become uh, and they will become recipients of the welfare system. The left sees those as future Democrat voters. It is not a pure, noble, loving, compassionate goal. It's a straight-out, raw political calculation of a route toward permanent Democrat rule in this country. This is why the left is so insistent on amnesty everybody, amnesty all the DACA people, amnesty all the dreamers. This is the goal. And, and you have to keep in mind, just like the analogy to your household, if you let in your, your kids' entire senior high school class live in your home, you couldn't, your budget could not meet those needs. Well, neither can your, uh, America's budget meet the needs of people who all these, by the way, all these people wanting to come here recognizing when they come here, they then are eligible to use the chain migration system and bring more of their relatives from other places. This is just pure common sense. You wouldn't do it at your home. You can't do it to your country. Secondly, the, the other propositions recognize that we do have, there are many hardworking, honest, not criminal immigrants in this country, of course. But we do have a problem with respect to criminal conduct by immigrants. We have a 30, 32%, 32% of the people incarcerated in this country in America are illegal aliens. 32%. So this isn't government assistance recipients. This is people, these are people for whom your tax dollars are paying for their room and board in, in incarceration. The idea that we don't have, that we must have strong standards about who can come here, refugee-wise, immigrant-wise, who we agree that's here already can become a citizen, eligibility, receive benefits. We have had a hard time in this country having this conversation because the American left works very hard at painting things like I am saying as racist. 
that somehow the reason you don't want people here is because you don't like people who don't look like you. You're fearful of the future when we don't have majority white in America. Folks, we could have majority of any color you can think of in this world. You could have 100% of America be all one race or some other race or ethnicity. And if all those people got the idea of America, the color of their skin, the country their ancestors came from would not matter. America is an idea. What you would need every single immigrant to get is what that idea is. What is the idea of America? And agree as part of our deal with every refugee, every immigrant, you need to come here and embrace the idea of America. You need to assimilate your values to ours. I'm not saying you can't bring lovely Italian food for the Italian immigrants or, you know, we have all sorts of uh, lovely neighborhoods or uh, lovely centers in big cities where we have Chinatown, Japantown. They have people bring their recipes, their cultures. That's, you know, you can bring your culture, your food, and even your language as long as you learn English. But the notion of liberty and living as a self-reliant individual is uniquely cultural, basic assumption of America. And we need to insist that that applies to everyone and especially must be taught to those who wish to come here. Okay. On my last topic for tonight, I cannot believe I'm almost out of time. Even I, I could not. Oh, well, this is where we are. Every week we get to this point. Well, I want to just share one other story with you. You know, the the Women's March I talked about at the start of the show, the Women's March with, you know, these just, and I, I can't, didn't even get a chance to read to you, but on the mission page of the Women's March, they went through all their demands. And essentially it's everything for free, you know, taxpayer-funded everything, child care and daycare and access to uh, abortion and birth control and health care and, and everything free and everything taken care of. This is the basic, This is this is why I say, the Women's March was the radical leftist march. Well, you know, and they're very, in part, these people are thriving. This Women's March left-wing movement is thriving because they're able to stir women up to get agitated by some of the tweets and posts and statements that President Trump makes. But folks, we, we are smarter than that. Women, we are smarter than that. Okay, so you don't like every tweet, every post, every word. Fine. Look at the policies. Look at the outcome. In fact, President Trump tweeted yesterday during this Women's March, hey, great day for Women's March. Come on, everybody. Come on, join the Women's March. Join the celebration that women's unemployment rate is the lowest in America in 16 years or 18 years, whatever it was. I don't have it in front of me. The point is women are doing well in the Trump economy. And this is to tie back into our point with David McIntosh, the president of the um, Club for Growth, is saying, Economic growth helps everyone. Women thrive better under freedom. And so, um, but I want to get back to Trump for a second. This is a a truly amazing thing. And uh, I'm just going to share some of this information because this is the kind of thing when your friends say, oh, but Trump is so anti-women. No. Okay. President Trump, just so you know, he has quietly made history for women right ahead of the Women's March. Do you know? And you should be writing this down to remember this. President Trump has placed more women in his cabinet than any other president ever. I'm sorry, not cabinet. More high-level female appointments of any president ever, including Bill Clinton and every other Democrat, including George Bush and all the Republicans. President Trump, 
He may not speak the way you like. He may not be an eloquent statesman, but he knows what makes America run, and he appreciates and, and, and employs the good talents of women. So President Trump, just a one little example. You all know Nikki Haley. Quoted her many times. Brilliant. She's America, United States of America's uh, ambassador to the United Nations. Wonderful, wonderful appointment. But other ones to mention, um, we, uh, we have unemployment as a 17-year low for everybody, including for women. Um, we also, though, have uh, the other women appointments of high note for, from President Trump. Uh, Jovita Carranza, U.S. Treasurer. She's a first-generation Mexican-American immigrant. Elaine Chow, Secretary of Transportation. Dina Powell. I don't know that's about her, but anyway. Deputy National Security Advisor uh, Kirsten Nielsen, Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. Heather Wilson, Secretary of the Air Force. Okay, I can't keep reading names, but Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Education. Linda McMahon, Administrator of the U.S. Small Business Administration. Uh, Seema Verna, Verma, pardon me, Seema Verma, Administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid. Um, Heather Brand, Associate Attorney General. And co- folks, I can go on and on, but the reason I'm saying all this is judge a person by how they behave. All this garbage Women's March stuff against President Trump, ignore the simple fact that he has made our economy and therefore our life better for across-the-board segments of American society. Black unemployment, lowest in whatever it is, lowest in you know, 17, 18 years. Women's unemployment numbers are down. Women are holding high positions. And I say all this as women, as guardians of America, as the ones who just who look out for this country and need to be just dynamically defending and nurturing our country, you got to appreciate the good happening to it under President Trump. As you know, I'm happy to criticize him if I don't agree with him. But we need to be based and basing our assessments, our words, what we say, what we think based on outcome and not get so wrapped around the axle about every little thing he says. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This America Can We Talk. Talk to you in one week. Come back next week. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk. Truth about America.